Happy Friday, everyone. On today's show, we've got a recap of the NHL trade deadline with some kudos and head scratching to go around for both our contending teams and our rebuilding teams, plus the weekend ahead for a lot of new look teams all on today's Locked On NHL. Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On NHL podcast for Friday, March 3rd. I'm Rachel Donner from Locked On Flyers. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here each and every Friday with Gil Martin of Locked On Islanders. You can find him on Twitter at IceWarsNYRVSNYI. Thanks for making Locked On NHL your first listen every day. We're free and available on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. Plus, you can watch us over on YouTube. How you doing, Gil? Well, I'm okay. I'm trying to catch my breath. It's been, I mean, today was a little crazy, but really the last two weeks have been uh, rather busy around the NHL, but certainly exciting times. How about you, Rachel? Oh, absolutely. So I was thinking, you know, as the dust settles on the NHL trade deadline for this year, uh, there's always some fun little moments. Uh, You got any in particular you want to shout out? Yeah, I I have to talk about it wasn't a huge trade, but I love the, the trade between Arizona and Calgary, where both Richie brothers, Nick and Brett, were involved in this trade for each other. And it's certainly not something you see every day. Uh, Sibling rivalries, uh, notwithstanding, you know, oh yeah, I got traded for my brother. Yeah, that's that's a little unusual. Freud would have a field day with it, but uh, I I think it was just kind of a fun little sideline on today's busy trade deadline day. How about you? Uh, For me, it was uh, Shana Goldman. Uh, and her Gossip Girl style tweets that she did to describe the different uh, moves and stuff. Of course, she is with The Athletic and part of the Too Much Man podcast. And they were all just gold, like the one she did about the Flyers. uh, Another deadline's come and gone. Who's the biggest loser of them all? Oh, Chuck, it was not your day. Everyone can see where the Flyers have gone wrong, but those in charge. Maybe it's time for someone new to help this team find its way. <laughs> I just like, I loved them. XOXO. Anyway, <laughs> that was my fun stuff for the trade deadline. But digging into what actually went down, I want to take a look at the contending teams and see who took big steps forward. You know, granted, some teams. I think needed more pieces than others or were looking to add more pieces than others. And some were pretty content with where they were, but I think, you know, Boston obviously is the team that stands out the most, right? That's been the case all season. Why should the trade deadline be any different? Right. I mean, uh, they, they just, the, the rich get richer as they say. Yeah. Of course, uh, picking up Bertuzzi, for a conditional first and a fifth. Uh, They extended Pasternak uh, 
for eight years. And then, of course, had to put Taylor Hall on LTIR, which probably necessitated picking up Bertuzzi to some degree. But, you know, you look at everything that they have done and built this season. This is a juggernaut. Yeah, I mean, you add Dimitri Orlov, you add Tyler Bertuzzi. Uh, there's just, it's, it's, they are loaded and ready for what will be a gauntlet in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, and a huge part of that gauntlet is going to be the New York Rangers, who, you know, obviously a few weeks ago picked up uh, Vladimir Tarasenko. That was a huge deal. And then closer to the deadline, picked up Patrick Kane, who just had his debut for the New York Rangers at Madison Square Garden last night. Well, that was iffy, but needs time to to build that chemistry. But you can see, like, if he gets it back with Panarin and he can kind of rejuvenate his gameplay, I, I think that'll have a huge impact on, on the Rangers' playoff run. No doubt about it. And look, it'll take time. Uh, Patrick Kane has been in a Chicago uniform for a very, very long time. And... You know, even just the idea you're moving from Chicago to New York, you got a whole bunch of new teammates, new place to live. It, it is going to take some time both on the ice and off the ice. But that's why, you know, they have, what, about 20 games between now and the start of the playoffs. And the important thing for the Rangers and for all the teams that made big acquisitions leading up to the trade deadline, by the time the playoffs start, get these new players comfortable integrated into the coaching system, comfortable with their new teammates, and then have them shine when it matters most. Exactly. You know, I think the next team we have to talk about, while they didn't do a ton around trade deadline day, per se, made their huge moves, you know, several weeks before the trade deadline, and that's the Toronto Maple Leafs. And uh, obviously, Ryan O'Reilly was the big move of you know, this season, uh, but also picking up Jake McCabe, Sam Lafferty, got some additional depth on defense with Eric Gustafson. Uh, Luke Shen is back in a Leafs uniform, uh, even apparently going to wear that number two again. Yeah. And so um, I think, you know, obviously the Leafs know just as well as Boston and, and Tampa to some degree, which we'll talk about. Uh, that the East is just going to be grueling and they just needed some additional bodies just in case. And, uh, you know, just to, you know, dot that I and cross that T going into the the playoffs. Yeah. And, and when you look at Toronto, they, their big guns are already in place. Their top six is already in place uh, up front. They needed the depth pieces, the, the defensive forwards, the, depth on the blue line. So, you know, they may not have made as big of a splash uh, other than the Ryan O'Reilly deal, but those smaller deals, they can come up big for them in the playoffs. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think there is, you know, a couple of teams to me that made fewer moves, but I don't know that they could necessarily make more moves given what was going on with them, um, but who are in the playoff hunt for sure. And that's the Edmonton Oilers and Carolina Hurricanes. And starting with Edmonton, of course, Matthias Ekholm was the the bigger-ish deal. But they really made a decision to kind of sit on their goaltending, that they weren't going to make any changes, which is a risk for them. But, you know, I, I think that at some point, like, you got to go with what you got. 
Yeah, I mean, that that's what they're going to do. But I like Ekholm. I mean, again, not the kind of deal that's going to make massive headlines across the, you know, Canada and the United States. But a, a player who does help address some of their biggest weaknesses. And so a smart move right there. Yeah, I think so, too. And then with Carolina, I think that, you know, they're in real solid shape. And I think that with the spotlight really on the Bruins and then what the Leafs are doing and are the Lightning going to make another run, the Metro division is kind of, you know, a little bit in the background, despite being pretty strong uh, with, you know, Carolina and and Jersey, I, I think, you know, not really doing a ton on trade deadline day. Obviously, New Jersey made some big moves, right? No yeah. question. So I think that they're the other team that's contending that I think had a really good trade deadline, especially, you know, picking up Timo Meyer. Um, but Carolina didn't really need to do much. They're pretty content with what they have. So they pick up Shane Gostisbehere, uh from the Yotes. And then, um, you know, they took on Jesse Pugliarvi as kind of a reclamation project from the Oilers. Yeah. And again, you know, they're a well-rounded team. They're a deep team. So you make a couple of little tweaks, get, add a little depth, and get ready for the playoffs. And, and you know, one advantage to that is they don't have to worry about chemistry as much coming down the stretch. I mean, they their team is cohesive. They're together. And barring major injuries, they should be ready to go when the puck drops in the middle of April. Yeah. Just curious what you think about the Minnesota Wild, because they're a team that is closer to borderline playoffs uh, versus solidly in it. But they made a significant number of moves. They did. And, uh, you know, they were very busy. They were probably the busiest team on actual deadline day. And, you know, I, I mean, the moves they made were for the most part small, but it, it you know, the West is a little bit different because there are so many teams that are kind of fighting for playoff spots. And I, I, I mean, I think Bill Guerin was smart, but not overly ambitious. That's how I would put it. Yeah. And the Klingberg pickup, I think, was real solid. Yes. Yes. Uh, not a very high risk either. No, not at all. So I think that put them in a, a slightly better position moving forward. Um, Still some questions about Calgary and Seattle who didn't do much. Yeah. Uh, I mean, not surprised with Seattle, really, because this is only their second year of existence. They are, for the most part, a younger team. I don't think it would have made a lot of sense in their long-term plan to be trading away prospects or picks or young players. Anything they do this year is kind of a bonus. I think they make the playoffs. If they win a round or two, that's a bonus even on top of that. But at this stage in their development, I think it made sense. Calgary was a little tougher to decipher. What did you think about their situation? Yeah, it was a little, you know, concerning to me just because it feels like they've been up and down all season long. We've certainly been talking about it and you know as of this recording they're just out of the wild card and so are they really just throwing in the towel now and figuring this isn't going to be our year and and they weren't willing to give up a, a lot of assets in order to make a run um, that that's something 
you know, Calgary fans have got to be thinking about at this point. Yeah. I mean, I guess their losing streak came at the wrong time and, uh, Maybe maybe they just didn't want to trade from weakness at this point and didn't feel like they can get the deal they wanted. But yeah, I, I, I'm a little confused by the lack of action there. Yeah. All right. We are going to continue our discussion and switch over to some other borderline teams, but also the rebuilding teams. How did they do coming up next? But first, today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories, then you've got to try a Built Bar. What makes Built Bar so good? Well, for starters, they are all covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And check out these flavors. I mean, you got peanut butter brownie, coconut almond, churro, my personal favorite, cookies and cream. And the macros are outstanding. Only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar per bar but they pack a whopping 17 grams of protein. Now, you can still go to built.com and have a box, order it, have it sent directly to your door. But now you can also go to your local Sam's Club or Walmart and pick up a box right away. So you've got a lot of options right now to check out Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. You can go to built.com, Sam's Club, Walmart, and yes, you can thank me later. All right, Gil. So talking about some of the other teams, I think the one contending team we haven't mentioned so far is the Pittsburgh Penguins. And as we know, our colleague over at Locked On Penguins, Hunter Hodes, is beside himself uh, with what Ron Hextall has put together over there, this trade deadline. And I'm just like secretly here laughing at it because as a Flyers uh, person who covers that team, I certainly know what Ron Hextall is capable of. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, I, I know he was shaking his head. Uh, wasn't thrilled with the Grandland trade and it, it you know, they didn't go big, but they didn't necessarily go smart either. And you just sort of wonder if there's a plan in place or if Ron Hextall is just, you know, trying to make it up as he goes along. And that has to be a big concern for Penguins fans. It really does. You know, getting Nick Benino back, like, okay, that's nice for sentimental reasons, but how much does that add to the team from a skill perspective, especially especially at this point in his career? And the Pens added to the cap without a ton of upside. So it, it's really like interesting that that is the direction they chose to go in this time around. Um, you know, other than that, uh, in in the better teams category, I would say your aisles uh, were a bit of a head scratcher. Yeah, I mean, th their big move was the opening salvo of this trade deadline period. That was getting Bo Horvat. Then uh, you get Pierre Engvall from uh, Toronto, which gives you a little depth on your bottom six. But no addition on the blue line. Did not trade away any of the expiring uh, contracts that they had in your Semyon Varlamov, and I know there were some teams looking for goaltending help, didn't trade away. Scott Mayfield, who's on an expiring contract, did not replenish the draft picks or the prospects, both of which are bare. So it's like they didn't quite go all in, but they didn't sort of help themselves in the long run either, and they're sort of in no man's land again. 
Yeah, and I feel the same way about the Florida Panthers. Didn't do anything on trade deadline day. And it's hard. I feel like they're similar to Calgary. And it's like, what is going on here? Um, and are they kind of throwing in the towel for this year? Yeah, I, I didn't quite understand what they did. It's almost like they are saying to themselves, we had a lot of changes going on this year, and maybe we need a little more time to figure things out because they're very close, but they didn't really make any big moves to reinforce this playoff run. Yeah. On the rebuilding side of things, I think for me, the top two teams were Nashville and Detroit. They really managed to pick up a whole bunch of assets. Um, every time I look at the Nashville and Detroit cap friendly pages, and I look at the sheer volume of picks they have over the next few years, I mean, it, I weep with joy for them and jealousy for me because they both teams, Nashville clearly in a switcheroo kind of rebuild and especially with Barry Trotz taking over, it kind of gives them a reset for Barry Trotz to kind of draft and develop in the way that he wants to and make this team his own. And, and I think they're in a really good position and they have a solid goaltender to boot. So you know, I think that's that's really good. And then, you know, Steve Eiserman in Detroit continues to make really smart, deliberate trades that build toward the future. And they have a ton of picks as well, but they've also started to develop the picks that they've already had the last several years and, and put together, you know, a team that at least thought they could compete for half a minute there this season, right? Yeah, and again, you know, they're one of those young and up-and-coming teams that maybe are a year ahead of schedule as far as their being competitive for a playoff spot. And right around now, they also extended Dylan Larkin. So you could check that box off as well. Iserman, largely responsible for building the Tampa Bay team that won some Stanley Cups. And he's starting to work his magic in Detroit as well. Yeah. You know, looking at some of the downside of trade deadline for the rebuilding teams. I would say the Ducks were had already done the bulk of this rebuild work to build assets prior to this trade deadline season. Um, they did manage to make a couple uh, of deals, but you know, not much changed for them in this period of time. But I don't think that's bad. I think that they just didn't have like assets to work with, right? And the ones that they did they, they managed to, to do something there, but they're another young team that's going to build for the future and they have tons of picks, you know, in the basket already. Um, yeah. uh, it, how about, how about your flyers? How do you feel? Yeah. About so man, it, it is tough because it, it's hard to look at the outside and say, yeah, like why couldn't you trade JVR? But at the same time, you know, Chuck Fletcher says, well, nobody wanted to take JVR and Detroit did for a minute there, but they would have had to move somebody out in order to do it because the cap hit was so high. Even with the Flyers being willing to eat 50% of the salary, that's still a $3.5 million cap hit. And teams just weren't willing to take that on for a guy like JVR at this point in his career with his current output, which is not as good this year as it has been in previous years. He's been always been a streaky player but you know this year in particular he struggled a little bit he's had some injuries and people just didn't want to bite now that being said also from my perspective um, and I talked about this on Locked on Flyers a, a little bit 
when you put yourself in a position, it's been enough time now since the Hextall era that whatever assets and players you've chosen as Chuck Fletcher to keep and then since then have added to the mix, if nobody wants to buy those players, like that's on you, that you right. don't have enough assets that at a trade deadline when you're trying to rebuild, you can't sell and you're huge sellers. That is on you. That's not on a previous regime, right? Yeah. And, you, you know, you made your bed and you have to lie on it, as they say. So, yeah, that that is definitely part of the equation. And, you know, the question, I guess, now is where does Philly go from here? It is a very good question. And honestly, I don't know, because it seems like they're at this, you know, standstill with being able to make deals. Now, one thing Chuck Fletcher did say is that, you know, he had some conversations on some other players um, that were on non-expiring contracts that he just wanted to table for now and reconsider in the off season, which is fair, but it also, it's a choice and a, another choice you have to live with and see, you know, if you can make some deals that make sense for the team in the off season on, on some of those guys, but yeah, it's going to be a rough road ahead. And, you know, Chuck Fletcher's future with the team is less than certain. I would say a little shaky right now. Yeah. The, the last team I want to talk about is the Arizona coyotes because um, while you can say, oh, great job, Arizona, you have 87 billion picks in the queue. But the problem is they've had a lot of picks for a long time now and haven't been able to, or at least a couple of years, and but just haven't like iced a, a real NHL team in the last several years. And this, you know, Arizona contract dumping ground thing, this, this act is starting to get a little tired, don't you think? If I'm a Coyotes fan, yeah, it gets frustrating. And I think the other thing is that the Coyotes overplayed their hand with Chikrin, didn't get the return they were hoping to get. I, I kind of feel like if they would have made the deal a few days or a week earlier, they might have been able to get more for Chikrin than what they ultimately got. Yeah, and obviously, like, it's a perfect landing for him in Ottawa. The deal was great for Ottawa. We didn't even talk about the Sens, but... You know, they actually beat the Rangers last night in Patrick Kane's <laughs> debut. And and very nicely, I must say, I, I watched that game. And um, it was, you know, I think that that team is, Ottawa's coming together well and is is on the up. And I think they know what they are. And, and they're looking toward the future with, you know, zero expectations right now. They know where they are, they are right now. Yeah, I, I, if I'm a Senators fan, I am excited about the future. And I mm. think what they did at the trade deadline only reinforces that. Exactly. Uh, any other teams you want to touch on? No, I think we've we've covered the gauntlets pretty much. Uh, and how about Pretty you? much. Yeah, I think that's where we're at. Um, we do have some weekend games to get to talk about, and we will do that coming up next. Today's episode is brought to you by Indeed. If you don't have players on the field or the ice with the right skills, whether it's breakaway speed or elite playmaking ability, you're going to have a tough time winning, and the same goes for your business. Indeed is a fast, simple way to make sure you're hiring MVPs. 
Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites, hoping to find candidates with the right skills, you need one powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy. They partner with you on every step of the hiring process. You can find great talent through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. With Instant Match, over 90% of employers get quality candidates as soon as they sponsor their job post, according to Indeed data. With Instant Match, candidates are three times more likely to apply to your job than candidates who only see it in search. So start hiring right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash locked on. Offer valid through March 31st. That's Indeed.com slash locked on to claim your $75 credit before March 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Gil, we've got a, a full slate of games ahead this weekend. And, uh, you know, its trade deadline is now passed and the schedule keeps trucking. Um, not going to focus too much on the Friday games relative to your listening, but there is a late game I want to talk about for Friday night, and that's the New Jersey Devils at Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah. Um, I, I, that should be a big matchup and a good like litmus test for both of these teams. Absolutely. And, you know, the Devils making the big splash with Timo Meyer. Jonathan Quick, now a member of the Vegas Golden Knights. And, you know, things are so tight for Vegas in that division. <clears throat> the Devils pretty much know they're facing the Rangers in the first round of the playoffs. They've got to get ready and integrate Meyer into the lineup. Should be a, a very good game for those of us on the East Coast who are up late. Yeah, I'm not sure that Quick gets the job in Vegas no. uh, as the, the top goaltender, but uh, it's good that he has at least a home that's making a playoff run, much like the LA Kings were. Uh, and then we've got a, a couple of, or more than a couple of good afternoon mashup, matchups, uh, Tampa at Buffalo. Um, I, I I really think this Detroit at Islanders matchup is going to be really interesting because the Islanders, like you said, are sort of teetering on are they contenders or aren't they? Detroit is the team on the move um, that we, you know we just praised for their trade deadline. And this is a really, I think, fun look at what you know the upside and potential downside of the NHL is right now. Yeah, and you know, two teams that are in that wild card hunt in the Eastern Conference, so it's a very big two points and. For either team, winning in regulation becomes even more important. You don't want to give up that loser point. Yeah, the big, big game of the day, though, has to be the New York Rangers against the Boston Bruins up in Boston. Um, that'll be Patrick Kane's first game as a Ranger up in Boston. And it's a whole different experience in that town when you're coming in as more of a rival. And with Boston, again, being the juggernaut that they have been, um, I am very much looking forward to this one. That is going to be a great hockey game. It's it's televised nationally in the United States on ABC. And, you know, Pat, for Patrick Kane, could there be a tougher place to have your first game than in Boston against this Bruins team? Should be a good one. Yeah, I must like heard that is could there be a tougher place <laughs> um, speaking of tough places uh colorado is at dallas as well 
Yeah, that should be a good game. And, and you know, Colorado quietly moving up the standings in that division. And uh, you, I, I never count this team out, and they're only going to get healthier down the stretch. Yeah. I think the other two games on Saturday uh, I'd be keeping an eye on uh, would be Edmonton at Winnipeg, Winnipeg trying to hold on and see if they can make the playoffs. And then Minnesota, who we talked about, made some solid trade deadline moves and Calgary again, who's trying to hold on. Like how does this level set the the West with the t those two teams? Yeah, I mean, look, Edmonton, we talked about some of the moves they made. Winnipeg fighting for playoff position in that central division. And then for Calgary, you look ahead to this game, it's almost a must-win game. They almost have to beat Minnesota to keep their playoff hopes alive. They're at home, which certainly helps, and it should be a good one. Yeah. Sunday, I think the big game is Tampa at Carolina. That should be pretty fun. And then for me, it'll be entertaining because Detroit is playing at Philadelphia on Sunday. And the trade that wasn't with JVR will be the backdrop for that one. Yeah, that the, the, the almost trade uh, going to come right into focus. And then I guess the, the late game that I have uh, my eyes on is Seattle in Colorado. Big, big game between two contending Western Conference teams. Yep. That should be a good one as well. Uh, that will do it for today's show. Thanks so much for listening. Gil will be back Monday with his show, checking in on NHL teams with hosts from around the league. We'll be both back next Friday to recap the week that was uh, and look ahead to the next weekend slate of games. Thanks for making Locked On NHL your first listen today. Now make your second listen game to game NHL. Every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked On Game to Game covers every game from across the NHL with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. It's in this very feed, Locked On NHL, available wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great weekend, everyone.